Aloha and welcome to Conversations to Enlighten and Heal. I'm your host, KG Styles. A free audio download of today's podcast show is available at kgstyles.com. Today, I'm delighted to be speaking with Scott Bloom about his new book, Winter Moon Rises, scheduled for release on November 1st. Scott Bloom, the best-selling author of Waiting for Autumn, and Summer's Path, and the co-founder of the hugely popular inspirational website, Daily Om, uh, is also an accomplished filmmaker and multimedia artist. Scott has produced numerous critically acclaimed works, including writing and directing the feature film Walk-In, which is based on his book, Summer's Path. Scott lives in the mountains of Ashland, Oregon, with his wife and business partner, Madison Taylor, and their son, Oliver Moon. To learn more about Scott and his work, please visit his website, scottbloom.net. That's S-C-O-T-T-B-L-U-M dot net, where you can also read Scott's blog and see behind-the-scenes footage of his new film, Walk-In. Please welcome to the show my very special guest, Scott Bloom. Welcome to the show, Scott. It's wonderful to have you with us. Yes, thank you very much for having me. Yes, your new book, Winter Moon Rises, is the third book in your trilogy. What inspired you to write your trilogy of books, Scott, and did you get the idea for writing all three books at the same time? Um, well, actually, it was one of those that was uh, given to me one at a time, thankfully, or else I think my head would have exploded. <laughs> um, I, I was given I was given a Waiting for Autumn first, and it was one of those that I couldn't um, get out of my head. I, I never really thought of myself as an author. At that point, my wife, Madison, is responsible for all the content on Daily Home, and um, I was more the business guy and technology guy, and so when I, um, when I received this, uh, it was basically given to me as a download all in, in one minute, and um, I, I did my best to ignore it for the first uh, for the first couple of months, and then once I wrote it, um, then I deci- decided it was uh, probably a good idea to share it with the world. So that's kind of how it started, and then um, it seemed like as soon as I was finished um, with that, I was given Summer's Path, and then um, I was not even halfway through that one where... Um, I found myself living the third book, and it was one of mm-hmm. those weird situations where I, I would I would walk into a situation and and I would say, oh, this is I'm living part of my book now. Mm-hmm. I guess I need to remember what's happening. So um, yeah, that's kind of what it happened. Is is this trilogy really flowed w- into one another, and and then remarkably, as soon as the uh, third one was done, then then it left me alone for a while, which is nice for a change. <laughs> It's been kind of a three-year journey that I haven't been able to put down, but it's it's finally um, it's finally out. Yes, well, it sounds like a wonderful journey you're on. So you have a very light, easy to read, and conversational style of writing that makes your subject subject matter not only plausible but also easy to understand for the uninitiated. For instance, your first book, Summer's Path, erases the line between life and death and explores a number of mystical topics like walk-ins, animal communication, embodiment, and soul destiny. What was your motivation for writing Summer's Path? Uh, You mentioned that you got it like as a download, but what did you hope to accomplish? Did you have any... You know what was the what was trying to come through besides the you know this framework of a book. What it what is being disseminated here for us? I, I think for Summer's Path, um, really what I was exploring um, was the concept of death and how um, your 
lot of our views of death is, is, is the end of our life. And in, in general, I, I see it more as a transition, um, just as uh, waking up or, or eating breakfast would be. Um, obviously, it doesn't happen that often. Um, but but it's still, for me, is, is really putting that in, into context um, of the transition between this world and the next, I mm-hmm. think, was, was what I was trying to explore um, with Summer's Path. And you're, are you satisfied with having done that? Well, I, I I don't know. I mean, I've I've rewritten it three times, so um, I think I'm I'm pretty fortunate. Um, I don't think many authors get a chance to rewrite their uh, story as as much as I did when I um, when when Summer's Path originally came to me. Um, it came to me um, at the time between uh, finishing Waiting for Autumn and Waiting for Autumn coming out, and what I um, talked to Hay House, their publisher, about doing was offering at first the Summer's Path as a free download, mm-hmm. um, where people could download that, and since it w- went right into the story of Waiting for Autumn, you know, it seems like a good way to get people familiar with me as a writer. Mm-hmm. I, um, that was hugely successful, and um, we actually only um, had that digital version out for two weeks, but it went straight to number one on Amazon and all kinds of stuff, and we pulled it immediately, because I realized it wasn't really saying everything I wanted it to say. Mm-hmm. So fortunately, when um, Waiting for Autumn was successful, um, Hay House allowed me to put Summer's Path into um, a hardcover book, which I did. And then um, once I once I finished that, of course, that was my that was released second, <laughs> although it's the first book in the series. It was released um, last year. And then um, when a uh, when a producer came approached me last year to make one of my my books into a movie, um, and I just uh, wrapped up directing. The, uh, the movie Walk-In, which is based on Summer's Path, um, the, due to the nature of it, um, it, it, it wasn't, you know how it is when you're trying to translate a book into a movie, you can't really do all of the same things mm-hmm. um, that, that you can do in a book just because you can you know, get in people's heads and, and, and those types of things that you can't do in a movie, and so I was able to rewrite it again. So it's really strange that you asked about that particular book because I did, in fact, write it three different times. Mm-hmm. And um, I think every version um, is different, um, especially the, you know, the movie versus the book. It's about half different than the book, but, um, but it was, uh, I must have a lot to say on that particular subject since I keep re- rewriting it. Mm-hmm. Well, it's really living in you. I can see that, you know. So could you give our listeners a brief, just a brief synopsis of your new movie, Walk-In? Uh, is it pr- pretty much in line with the book Summer's Path, or are there things, I mean, you already mentioned that there are certain things, but the content, is the content pretty true to the book? Um, well, like I said, about half of it is the same and about half of it is different. Um, mm-hmm. the, the difference, the primary difference is that it follows a different character. Um, so I, I'll, I'll just give you an overview of what the what the movie is about. The, bo- the movie is about a man who finds out that he has a fatal disease, and just when he is um, just when he's about to lose all hope, he meets an angel who agrees to take over his diseased body in return for giving him the body of a puppy. So that's what the movie is about, and the book is sort of about that as well. But the difference between the book and the movie is the book follows the journey into the body of the puppy a- and the movie follows the journey of the um, of the wife and what does she think about all of this and what's going mm-hmm. on. So it's more like what does your loved ones feel about um, this transition as opposed to mm-hmm. the first one, which is what is it like to actually be mm-hmm. in the body of a puppy. Mm-hmm. So 
So speak a bit more about how Summer's Path did come about to be made into a movie, and how did it end up that you were the director? <laughs> uh, luck, I think. Isn't that the word? Um, basically, um, a, um, a friend of mine uh, was starting a, um, a really innovative new uh, t- uh, movie production studio where it was going to be primarily based online. It's called imadeamovie.com. And they originally approached Madison, my wife, to um, to make a De Leon movie. Um, and, but Madison hadn't really, um, she's been wanting to make a movie for a long time, but she hadn't quite figured out exactly what she wanted to do with the De Leon movie yet. So she basically said, um, you know, I have, I, I need some time to think about it, but, you know, Scott already has some books. And so um, I, I presented the books and, and, and they loved them and they said okay we would love to, to make a movie from it um, here is um, a director that we would like to use he was a, a very talented um, experienced director that has worked for, for um, dozens of years in, in Hollywood and he um, he, he met with me and, and agreed to, uh, to to take some of my ideas and, and all of that stuff and I was he was he was actually very gracious um with with all of that, and then as we start getting closer, and I was just about to sign the contract and say, "Okay, go ahead and make a movie from my book," um, I got really nervous, and I said, "You know what? I think he's really talented, but the 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 thing is, is the way that I write my books is I actually am given the entire book in my head as if it's a movie, and I basically just watch the movie and I write down what I see. Mm-hmm. So how can I be sure that he's he has seen the same movie that I have. Exactly. And I started getting really, really nervous, especially when mm-hmm. we're talking about Summer's Path, where I knew it had to be completely rewritten. How is that going to work? And so what I did is I, you know, quickly wrote a first draft of the screenplay, which, of course, you know, all my friends said that you're crazy, that, you know, novelists can't write screenplays. They're totally different. Um, but I did it anyway, and I sent it off, and, and they said, okay, this is, you know, this is pretty good. We can base it on this do you want to move forward with this director? And at, at the last minute, I finally said, you know what, I really appreciate the opportunity. Thank you so much. I just apologize for wasting your time, but, you know, I just don't feel comfortable um, handing it over to somebody because, you know, like I said, I'm not sure if he saw the same movie in, in his head that I did. So, you know, sorry for wasting your time. And once I, you know, gave some specific examples, they said, well, you know what, you seem to have a, a pretty good uh, idea of what you want to do. Do you want to direct it yourself? And I said, um, "Wow, okay, that sounds like fun." And you know, it wasn't didn't come completely out of left field because you know I did a lot of work with in the music industry, um, you know, working with Peter Gabriel and different people like that, where I I was very familiar with with um, film and video production, and you know have have did um, worked on music videos and that sort of thing as well as my multimedia experience. So it wasn't you know it wasn't like I was completely. Um, new to to production but i definitely was new to uh, film film uh production and definitely haven't uh, hadn't directed a movie before so mm-hmm. it was a huge vote of confidence that the producers gave in me and um, i think everybody's really happy with the way it's coming out and um i really enjoyed it too it was, it was how long has the project been going on how many months has it been it's been about a year mm-hmm. it's been about a year now and um we're just in final sound mix right now and um just started to submit to uh, film festivals mm-hmm. around the world, so uh, you know, I'd say that. So, do you have a premiere date for when it's being? No, it's it's a little bit early for that yet, mm-hmm. um, but I can say that 
that it will be coming out in 2012. I'm not sure exactly where it's going to premiere yet because there's a there's a few different film festivals I'm crossing my fingers for, for that I would love to yes, premiere. Yes, the the timing is is essential, and having exactly you know when you premiere it is you know you definitely want to make sure all that is li you know feels lined up so right, it gets yeah, the best exactly. time to launch yeah, to be exactly. given birth for its longevity being out there so right. it sounds like uh, you're really uh, have you put you know have you put into a form in your own mind because it sounds like you have a real clear you're so clear about this movie and and it feels like there is some purpose that is behind the movie as a social media to influence societies to influence the the culture so right. well yeah i I think it's one of those things where um you know it's i I try to be at service to what the universe provides to me um and definitely some of these concepts, you know, just like the concept of a walk-in um, and, and really dealing with death, um, you know, with the, the, the calendar coming to, the, to an end in 2012, there's been sort of this, this quickening where I think people are more receptive mm -hmm. to some of these, um, the, these crazier, um, I, I wouldn't say crazy ideas, but definitely these ideas that aren't mass market, but these ideas yes. are becoming mass market right yes. now. And I think that um, that they've been sort of bubbling under, you know, within the spiritual community for, for, for decades. But the reason that they're coming for the forefront now, and you can actually consider talking about the concept of making a feature film about a walk-in yeah. um, in 2012, doesn't sound crazy like it would have even five or ten years ago. Yeah. Um, and I think it's what it is, is it's just that people are receptive to this. They're hungry for, yes. for this type of uh, information. And um, at, the, at the end of the day, I'm just trying to, you know, to be a service to the universe and, and align myself with my own personal yes. destiny, which it seems to be coming more and more as a way of using, um, you, you know, my, my burgeoning gifts as a, as a storyteller mm. to, to basically share these concepts with the world. Um, I think that there's many people that have shared a, a lot of these concepts um, in a, I, I would say, more didactic or educational um, form, you know, mm -hmm. like a traditional self-help book. But I think what, what really drives me and makes me passionate is to, to take these stories and these concepts which um, you know we've been we've been thinking about and learning about in in you know from much from very talented um, authors and, and luminaries throughout the years, but really personalize them and put them into um, a story where people can can identify yes. and feel like they know these people. Yeah. And that's and that's what's really passionate for me is 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 um I you know I think that I've been touched by a lot of these these concepts myself, but really. Um, I'm, I'm driven to, to show what it would be like to, to, yes, to live in a with practical, yes, yeah. yes. And you can reach more people with a movie. People will never pick up a book, but they'll go watch a movie. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. it definitely appeals to a different, a different yes, crowd. Yes, much more of a mass um, appeal, a movie, I think, yeah. the number of people you can reach. So in your second book, Waiting for Autumn, you explore the unseen realms of energy and spiritual healing shamanic soul retrieval, communication with nature spirits, ancestral healing, and much more. So you're kind of taking a whole, on a whole other uh, sort of metaphysical ideas, presenting them. And again, in a very conversational, easy-to-read, understandable 
way. It doesn't feel like over the top, you know. So what was it like to write Waiting for Autumn? Did you do a lot of research on the topics you explore? No, actually, um, what happened was for, you know, as, as I mentioned at the beginning, Waiting for Autumn came to me as a download, and that was the first download um, when I was filled with this story, basically from beginning to end. It was, it's, I, I sort of liken it to, you know, to watching a movie or something that, that imagine what it's like to, to, uh, to be waiting in the theater before the, the lights go dark, and then imagine what it's like after you leave the theater, and all of that movie is inside of you. Mm -hmm. um, that's basically what happened, but instead of taking an hour and a half for that to happen, it took less than a minute yes. that, that all of this story was, was just given to me. Mm -hmm. It wasn't until I was writing it and, and rewriting it and um, you know, essentially going through the editorial process when I found out that what really what happened with Waiting for Autumn, although the glue is what was kind of given to me uh, um, by the universe, a lot of the individual um, elements of the story was actually um, came from my life over the past 20 years. Mm -hmm. So, in so uh, waiting for autumn takes place. The book takes place over a three-month period. You know, during the season um, uh, of summer, primarily leading up to autumn. But um, but in, in actuality, all of those things happened to me over the previous 20 years, and and in some ways. Um, the, uh, it, it was about meeting a, uh, a guru that sort of took me under his wing and helped me with the spiritual awakening. Is, mm -hmm. is essentially what the book is about. And um, it was, and although that did happen to me, where I where I was exposed um, early in my life to um, a very talented um, uh, sort of guru type person, he was very adept at getting me into some extremely um, intense metaphysical uh, experiences, but unfortunately, he wasn't very adept at all at getting me out of them. Mm. And so what, what I did when I was um, writing Waiting for Autumn is I took the subsequent 20 years of um, wisdom that I learned by living and um, applied that wisdom to my ideal guru. I wish I, I wish my guru would have said this <laughs> um, instead of leaving me out to dry um, in, in some of these uh, you know rel relative, relatively dangerous situations, especially from a soul level. So um, I, I think that you know answering a question about what was it like to write it, um, what what it was like to write it was it was kind of scary because all of this stuff was coming through me and um, I didn't really know why I was writing all of this other than I felt like I needed to just get it out of me because it was it was in some ways physically painful mm. um, by, by being trapped in me. Mm -hmm. um, and then during the editorial process, um, really um, opening myself up to, um, in some ways, a lot of the spiritual, um, uh, a lot of the spiritual experiences that I had early, um, early on that I shut down um, as I got older. And so it was, in some ways, a, a process of reawakening mm -hmm. and um, reintegrating a lot of uh, what I had experienced and, and becoming whole again. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it does sound like the process was very cleansing and healing. And it sounds like you were in more of an internal journey when you were writing this book than the yes, previous. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So have you always been interested in spirituality and metaphysics, Scott? Um, well, it, it, it happened... Um, in a, in a very intense way when I was um, in my mid-teens. Um, and I had that, um, it was pretty much all I was about 
from maybe age 16 through 19 or 16 through 18. Um, and then, as I mentioned, um, this guru got me into some very precarious situations where um, I, I felt like I needed to, to really choose whether I was going to surrender myself completely to, um, you know, to the spirit world or if I was going to um, continue to live on the planet Earth. Mm-hmm. And it was it was really that harsh of a of a decision where I decided mm-hmm. I needed to decide if I was going to, you know, leave leave Earth at that point. Um, and that's when I when I realized that I was basically in over my head, and and I um, I stopped all my spiritual, um, all of my my spiritual uh, teachings and and uh, interests um, and pursuits. Um, cold turkey, almost in some ways as an alcoholic would have to do, that I felt mm-hmm. like even meditating or doing yoga or something would, would force me to fall off of the, uh, the wagon. Mm-hmm. And so I completely um, divorced myself from all spiritual practices from, uh, oh, I don't know, the age of 19 or 20 until I was about 35. So wow, that's quite years. a hiatus. Yeah, so it was, like it when it was such a, you sound like you have strong Piscean influence, the Neptune influence. Oh yeah, that for yeah, maybe because the film and just the sensitivity and the psychic, the down, you know, all that sounds very Neptunian. Mm. Yeah, so, I need to I need to look into that more. I, I'm yeah. actually not familiar with that. And because we're right now, uh, Pisces, it stepped into. Uh, I mean, um, Neptune stepped into Pisces just briefly, and it will go back in for another fourteen plus years, uh, right after the first of the year, and Neptune rules the film industry. It's fantasy, it's spirituality, you know, it's the psychic abilities. If you look at how we all have been on the edge of people really developing and being open to the psychic, I mean, look how psychics and, you know, going to a psychic and astrology and all that has become much more mainstream, that it's much more... You know, people talk about their intuition. They talk about spiritual guidance. They talk about, you know, meditation and, you know, all those. Those are all Neptunians. So, um, yeah, look in your chart to see where, where, uh, especially the planet Neptune, where that is right now, what house it's going through, because that's the area of your life that it will focus and bringing those Neptune things in. Wow, that's, so, thank you very much. I will do that. Yeah, yeah. I wonder, I'm wondering if it's in your ninth house, because that's publishing. Oh, okay. So, yeah, so it's, astrology is so fascinating, you know, because it's like this blueprint, this roadmap of, uh, you know, the things that are going to be going on, the influences, the celestial events. Now, how you choose to respond to them and what you make of it is totally your free will choice. And the more advanced you are and just being able to, use your free will, you know, to make choices. And that's the the deciding edge, you know, whether you feel like you're creating your life or you're a victim of your life. You hear what I'm saying? Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about your newest book, Winter Moon Rises. This book is the culmination of your trilogy. What was it like writing this book? Has your writing process been the same for for this book? You know, uh, it sounds like the the first two were certainly different from one another. Yes, absolutely. So what um, was this one like? Well, this one, I I, um, I think I was trying to fool myself for the first couple ones. Uh, I, I denied even 
put people putting the word writer on me. I wouldn't I wouldn't accept that, you know, that I was a writer, that, you know, Madison, my wife, was the writer. I just happened to, you know, put these words down in a book. Um, but then after the third book, I figured, you know what, that's not going to really work for anybody anymore if I keep on saying that I'm not a writer, that I need to take it more seriously. And so um, I think it was the first book that I was a little bit more conscious of trying to present it as a, you know, as a finished novel of something that I was not only proud of um, on a spiritual level, but also from a writing craft level. So I think I, I put a little bit more effort on it um, and how that really, you know, hopefully people won't um, won't feel that and it won't feel labored. Um, but I think the way that it, that it uh, manifested itself is I took a lot more time with it. Um, so that was the first part of it. But I think that, as I mentioned before, the difference was... Um, like with with waiting for autumn, it was this you know this lightning that struck me that I felt that I needed to get out of my system, and I realized that in ge- in general it was basically Scott Bloom's greatest hits, you know, um, as my spiritual greatest hits over the past 20 years, boiled into that story, and then um, th- I think that uh, Summer's Path was more. 100% a gift given to me as um, a way of, of connecting with some some people um, on, a, on a very deep um, spiritual level uh, that I that I felt like I was more the the vessel to uh, to uh, to communicate. But this one, I was conscious, uh, as I mentioned before, I was conscious of it being written as I was living it. Mm-hmm. Um, Everything else was kind of, I went into this other zone, and, you know, in some ways it was the past, some, you know, maybe it was the future, maybe it was, you know, another dimension. But for Winter Moon Rises, I was actually going through the present, and I was in some ways documenting what was happening as I was, as I was living it, um, which was um, kind of scary, because... Um, I think before it was, I kind of went into the zone, you know, before everybody woke up in, in the house, like before what Madison woke up in the house, um, like at five in the morning, I'd get up and write or whatever, and then as soon as she woke up, then everything was gone. As opposed to Winter Moon Rises, I couldn't escape it for for a year and a half. Mm-hmm. It was my life. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that that was the big difference is, first of all, I lived it for a year and a half, and then second of all, I spent an extra couple of years writing it on top of it. Mm-hmm. So um, I think that that's the big difference is I was I was conscious of writing a book while it happened, which I wasn't for the other two. So tell us the you know the basic theme. What's what's Winter Moon Rises about? Well, um, as I mentioned, Summer's Path is about death, um, and uh, Waiting for Autumn is about love, and Winter Moon Rises, the the third book, is a, basically the culmination of everything, which is about birth. Mm-hmm. So um, we are essentially exploring what is the journey of uh, becoming a parent, um, but primarily what is our relationship with unborn children, um, which, of course, we, we, we've all come from that place where we've all been unborn at one time. Mm-hmm. And what is that transition? We, we, we're given a, a, an amazing gift, um, which I didn't really expect when um, I was on my journey to um, to becoming a father, is to be able to relive um, our entire life as we've had, um, and a, and a, and a, 
an amazing connection with the world of unborn children. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that that was kind of the most um, profound um, experience that I have and, and was kind of the basis of, of the, uh, the book. So what drives you in life, Scott? You know, what is the, why do you think you're here? Oh, boy. Um, <laughs> I, I think that, that um, I, I, I try not to analyze it that way. Um, mm-hmm. I try to just um, be in sync with whatever I'm supposed to be doing this moment. Um, but in, in retrospect, when I do that stuff out of myself um, and let myself uh, think about those types of questions, I, I would have to say that, that at this point um, I, I'm about, I, I'm here to share my own particular uh, experiences with people and, and hope that um, they're helpful in some ways. So um, I, I think that that's it. Um, I think that my um, that everything that I've developed to this date, um, all my experience with with uh, the music industry and, and technology and multimedia, et cetera, seem to be culminating um, into this concept of, of telling stories. And, mm-hmm. and I think that uh, becoming a storyteller um, is, is what I'm passion- most passionate about, and, mm-hmm. and I think that it, I feel very much in alignment with my destiny when I do that. Oh, that's wonderful. Is there anything more you'd like to share with our listeners before we close? Any upcoming events or announcements? Um, yeah, I would say... Uh, I would love people to visit my website, which you um, were kind enough to talk about at the top of the um, the interview, scottbloom.net, and uh, download free chapters from Winter Moon Rises. So I'm, I'm currently sharing that with um, with the uh, with everybody that visits my website or Facebook page right now, and uh, then you can see if the book is right for you. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Scott. It's been a pleasure having you with us. Thank you so much. Yes, so please do visit Scott's website, that's scottbloom.net, to learn more about his work and to uh, download free chapters of his uh, new book, Winter Moon Rises. And uh, have a beautiful day, everyone. A warm mahalo. Thanks for joining us. Thanks again, Scott. Thank you.